Hey friends, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. We believe that you were made for God's mission. We encourage you to check out our website, highlandcc.org, where you can learn more about what you are called to in Christ Jesus. Let's hear a message today that we hope will challenge, encourage you, and ultimately help you to grow and identify your purpose in the plan of God. Okay, so let's jump in. We're, we're still in our series in the good news of Jesus. We're going to go ahead to Mark 7, starting in verse 24. <clears throat> this wonderful story about a mom. Wonderful story about a mom. This is Mark 7, starting in verse 24. Jesus left that place, and he went to the region of Tyre. And he didn't want anyone to know that he had entered a house, but he couldn't hide. In fact, a woman whose young daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit heard about him right away. And she came and she fell at his feet. The woman was Greek. She's a Gentile, Syrophoenician by birth. And she begged Jesus to throw the demon out of her daughter. He responded, the children have to be fed first. It isn't right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. But she answered, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Good answer, he said. Go on home. The demon's already left your daughter. When she returned to her house, she found that child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Let's not beat around the bush. A lot of people don't like this story. Um, you, you read this story, kind of the modern reader, you, you read this story, and, and then you say to yourself, did he just call her a dog? Did Jesus just call this desperate mom a dog? You know, I, I remember vividly sitting down with my mom growing up, and, and she gave me a list of things you do not call women. Dog was on that list. All right, so this story, let's just be honest, kind of offends us. Offends our modern sensibilities. Well, let me point out a couple things. The first is that the first word out of her mouth in response, did you notice what it was? Lord. Okay, she is not offended by this. And so anytime I'm reading a gospel story and I find myself offended by Jesus, and probably more offended than the characters in the story, the conclusion is likely that I'm reading this story wrong. Okay, I'm not getting it right. Did Jesus call her a dog? No. Let me ask you a question. How does Jesus normally respond to questions? With parables. He's a teacher. And so he usually doesn't respond directly. It's not his style, what he usually does. And he says... He says, I usually do this, <laughs> is that he teaches with parables. That's what teachers do. And what's a parable? It's a story. It's an image <clears throat> from that world that people would have connected with. It's a teaching tool. Okay. And so what if we say this is a parable, which is what most scholars think this is, that he's responding to this woman's question as a teacher does with a story or an image. And here's what he's doing. He's saying, okay, mama. I'm up to something in this world that's very specific. And to help you understand what I'm doing, consider this image. 
I bet, Mama, that in your house, there's, there are these little dogs that run in and out like there were all over the ancient world, okay? I bet that in your house, little dogs come in and out all the time. But I bet there is no way you would take the food off of your kid's plate and feed one of those dogs. At least not while your kid is still eating, while your kid's still hungry. There is no way you would take your food off your kid's plate and give it to the dogs. And it's not because you dislike the dogs, it's because you love your kid. <clears throat> um, is that ugly to say that? But here's the, here's the actual question. You know, Jesus says, uh, there's no way, mom, that you would do that. How does he know that about her? How does he know that she wouldn't take the food off the kid's plate and feed the dogs? Because she's a mom, right? John tells us that Jesus knows what's inside every person. So I'm guessing he knows this woman, even though he's never met her, and he knows what's inside her. But, but when I say it like that, Mom, there's no way you would feed a dog before you fed your kid, okay? You would agree there's no way a mom would do that, even though you don't know what's inside every person. You just know there's no way a mom would do that. Why? You know, what is it here that Jesus just assumes about this mom, that he knows about this mom, that he just knows is true of her because she's a mom? How does he know? that she would take care of her kid above all else. How does he know that? Well, there's something inside of moms, isn't there? And that's what we've already talked about this morning. That's what you saw in that video of Wendy and Sharon. There is this thing inside of moms that's nearly universal. And I mean, let me point out again, this isn't a Jewish mom. This is a mom from a whole nother culture. And he just knows she feels this way about her kid too. Okay, so there's something that Jesus just knows is nearly universal among all moms. And he's tapping into that. Well, what is that thing? I probably spent an hour in my office this week trying to figure out what the word is to describe that thing. And and y'all are like, we need to get our money back on that hour, if that's what he's doing with his time. All right, and um, that's, you know, like part of the job of preaching is trying to find the right word for something So I'm just racking my brain. What is it inside of moms that won't let them give up on their kid, that ensures they're always going to take care of their kid? What is that thing? Is it it the tenderness of a mom? Is it the grace of a mom, the loyalty of a mom? Well, in in Churches of Christ, um, we've got this old phrase. You may remember this if you grew up in Churches of Christ, that we call Bible things by Bible names. Anybody ever remember that? Okay, so I... I strike out trying to find the right word. And I remember this passage in Exodus. Okay, so let me, let me just turn there with you for a second. This is Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Let me just show you this passage. All right, this is about God. The Lord, the Lord, a God who's merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That word, it's one word, hesed, is the word that we translate steadfast love. It takes two English words to translate it. Really, it takes this whole sentence that you're reading to translate it. The hesed of God, his steadfast love, has his mercy and his grace wrapped up in it. 
God is patience, the fact that he's slow to anger, that he's forgiving, all of that is wrapped up in this quality of God. And this word, has it's one of the most important words in the Bible because it is the word that most accurately reflects the heart of God. It's used all the time. So here I am like racking my brain of trying to think about what's that word that describes that thing that's inside moms <laughs> that won't let them quit on a kid? You know, what's that word like we talked about this morning? What's that thing in moms that shows us something about God? What's that thing that God himself has put inside moms that when Jesus meets this mom who's a stranger to him, he knows it's there inside her? What's that thing? Maybe it's that. God's hesed, that steadfast, merciful, unfailing love. Maybe that's what it is. Now, I begin to think about the moms here at this church, okay? I kind of go looking for this quality. I want to confirm if indeed what's true, most true of God is most true of moms. And I start thinking about Life-Giving Sunday, which is next week. Life-Giving Sunday, best Sunday of the year. We're going to raise $160,000, probably more than that. And then we're just going to give it away. And I start thinking we, we support over 30 ministries, mission works, with that money that we're going to raise next week. And I start going through the list of ministries that we support from Life-Giving Sunday. Did you know that over half of them were started by moms? Yeah, I start looking at the list. You got the La Bonner ministry. But you know what that ministry is? It's a ministry of moms who couldn't bear the thought that there are sick kids at a hospital who aren't being held. And so they just started a ministry. They're going to go hold those babies. It's that steadfast love. Uh, I think about our ministries to LaRose Elementary, to Macon Hall Elementary. You know who started that, those ministries? A bunch of moms. Couldn't bear the thought of kids who are getting left behind academically. It's that steadfast love of a mom. You just can't bear the thought of a kid not getting taken care of. A bunch of moms started that ministry. You know, we've got this adoption ministry that we support through our Life-Giving Sunday, so we will help you pay for it if you adopt a child. Okay, you know who started that? Bunch of moms. You know who's on that committee? A bunch of moms and one dad, kind of out of place. <clears throat> we've got this foster care ministry that we support. So we'll, we'll help support your family if you foster a child. And we also support children throughout the city who are in the foster care system. You know who started the foster care ministry? Bunch of moms. You know, a bunch of moms, most of whom had already made a place in their home. Most of their homes already maxed out and they still made a place for some child who didn't have a home and who just desperately want every, every kid to have a home like that. You know, I get a call or an email, sorry, from a young family a couple months ago. And they're thinking about foster care and they don't know where to start, but they just feel this, they're just feeling compelled by God to get into it. You know what I did? I emailed a bunch of moms and I copied the, that family on it. And I said, hey, moms, this young family, they want to they wanna get into foster care. They're feeling this thing inside, this, this like nudge to take care of kids, kids that aren't even theirs. They just wanted to take care of them. Can y'all help them out? You know, within 10 minutes, my inbox was flooded because everybody used reply all. Why? <laughs> flooded by these moms who are saying, oh, this is what you need to do. 
Let me get you connected with this person. Let me buy this for you. You know what? Let's just get on the phone and talk about this. Why? Okay, because moms have this thing inside. And moms, you don't have to train this thing. You don't have to develop this thing. You you don't have to go to like um, ongoing education (laughs) for the steadfast love that's inside you for your kid. It's just there. Why is it there? Because God put it there. And when we say that what we see in moms is a reflection of the love that God has for all of us, that's the kind of love we're talking about, a steadfast love that doesn't know cultural boundaries, that is nearly universal, that is common to moms. And so Jesus just knows This mom's going to understand when I tell her, I got to take care of the kids. So, which brings us back to the parable that Jesus tells, this parable about a dog and some hungry children. Why does this parable work? Okay. It's really important that we consider why Jesus chooses that particular parable. And so the language of dogs was certainly sometimes used for people who were not Jewish. So it's kind of this indicator that there's a cultural thing going on here. And then the other fact is that the language of children is often used for God's people, Israel, Jews, who are called in Deuteronomy and elsewhere throughout the Old Testament, who are called what? The Lord's children. So when Jesus is teaching here, it's this window into how Jesus conceives of or how he understands his purpose in the world. What he knows is that he has been sent by God to take care of God's children. And we're talking specifically about the Jewish people. He knows that God made a promise to that group of people all the way back in Genesis, and that God's faithfulness to that promise to his children has been um, being worked out, has been at stake since Genesis throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. What is God going to do to keep this promise he made to this specific group of people, his children? Read Romans 9 through 11 this afternoon, and you'll see that even into the early church, they were still trying to work out what does this mean about God's promise to his kids? So Jesus understands his purpose in coming to fulfill God's promise to feed the kids first. And so that's what he says. He says the children have to be fed first. This mom. It's what Paul echoes. <clears throat> this is in Romans 1.16. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's God's own power for salvation to all who have faith in him, faith in God, to who? The Jew first, and then also to the Greek or to the Gentile, to you and me. Now, Just leave that up on the screen for just a second. In our world of fairness, where fairness is the highest virtue, doesn't it offend us that God would take care of somebody else first? Well, God, that's not right. That's not what you're up to, Jesus. Okay, well, remember, anytime I'm offended by Jesus, I'm probably getting it wrong. All right, is it offensive? Is it offensive for Jesus to tell this woman, and I think he's telling us through this conversation with this woman, is it offensive for Jesus to tell this woman, Mama, God keeps his promises? No, praise God. 
Like we're all relying on that. That's what we're all most desperately hoping for is that God keeps his promises. And that's what he's saying. Mama, I got to feed the kids first. That's my purpose. Well, it's part of his purpose. That's how Jesus is called to fulfill God's promise. But there is God's promise to one group of people, his children, Israel, but there is also God's plan. And God's plan going all the way back to the Old Testament has always been to adopt, to graft into that family, everybody. I mean, you see this in Isaiah. You remember this passage in Isaiah? It is not enough since you're the servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the survivors of Israel. Hence, I'll also appoint you as light to the nations so that my salvation will reach the ends of the earth. Um, there's this story of the prophet Elijah. And Elijah comes upon a widow, a mom, who's got a son. And they're desperately poor, and they're running out of flour to make bread, what they eat to survive. And Elijah comes upon her, and Elijah is hungry, and he tells her, or he asks her, would you mind making me some bread? And uh, she says, sorry, I can't do that. We're on the last of our flour. In fact, I'm going to make a little more bread for my son and I, and then I expect we're going to starve to death. It's not that I, I want to be unkind to you, stranger. It's that I got to take care of my kid first. And you remember what Elijah says in response to her? He says, make a little loaf of bread for me first, and then bring it to me. And then you can make something for yourself and your son after that. Now, Elijah's going to take care of her. He's going to give her miraculously more bread than she can ever hope to eat, okay? But just look at what he says again. Make a little loaf of bread for me first, and then you can feed yourself and your kid after that. Let me ask you something. You think a mama would have ever said that? No. (laughs) Right? A mom knows. You got to keep your promise first. You got to feed your kid the one that you're promised So Jesus is saying, Mama, I'm here to keep a promise that God made to his kids. But Jesus also knows that God's promise may have been to the children, but God's plan has always been for all people. And so what God does at this moment where Jesus is feeling pulled from exclusively God's promise to the totality of God's plan for all. What God does is he places a mom right there. A mom whose steadfast love signals to Jesus, now's the time. Because immediately after this story, the very next story, Jesus goes and he heals a Gentile man. The very next story, Jesus goes and he feeds 4,000 people like he fed 5,000 earlier. Only the 5,000 were Jews, the 4,000 are Gentiles. He was feeding only the children, now he's feeding everybody. So if you were gonna describe the moment in which Jesus transitions from God's promise to God's plan for all, how would you describe that moment? You'd call it a big moment. Because I'm looking around this morning, I don't see a lot of Jews. You know, like, you and I are part of the family of God. In part because of this mom. A little mom that God placed in a big moment in history. 
I keep calling her a little mom. Why? Well, because you'd be mad at me if I called her a big mom. That was also on the list of things you don't call women. Uh, No, okay, so that language actually comes from the passage itself. So Jesus does not call her a dog. He's telling a parable. But what she does is she enters the parable voluntarily. And this is what she said. Literally, this is her reply. Lord, even the little dogs eat the little crumbs from the little children. You hear the emphasis on little Okay, she thinks of herself as little, as insignificant, as unimportant, which is just like a mom. She does not realize how big this moment is. One of the most significant moments in human history, when Jesus transitions from just God's promise to God's plan for all. She doesn't realize it's that big of a moment. You know, she doesn't realize that the salvation and souls of so many, some even in this room, are hanging on what she says. And would Jesus have transitioned to God's plan for all eventually without this mom? Yes, absolutely. But it happened with a mom. (laughs) Like, we're not going to rewrite history. There was a mom right there at the bridge between God's promise and God's plan. This is a little mom, but this is a big moment. And God puts a little mom in a big moment. I came into the back of the Life Center the other other day before services, Sunday morning. You know, mom came up to me, there was a tear just rolling down her cheek, and I asked her what's wrong, and she begins to tell me about her two babies that are grown babies now, but her two babies that are far from the Lord and uh, not coming to church, maybe making some decisions that she's not happy with and just tearing her up and just, just being at church without her babies or something about that, being there alone without her babies that just got to her. And uh, I tell her, you know, I'll, I'll absolutely pray about that. And um, she says, please, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to wear them out, she said. I'm going to keep sending them letters. I'm going to keep sending them text messages. I'm going to keep calling them. And you know what? I'm going to keep praying for them, and I don't even care if they don't want me to. I'm going to wear them out, she said. It's the steadfast love of the Lord in a mom. And, and, and she thinks this is, I mean, this is big in her life, but I'm sure you know, she thinks it's pretty li- little on the, the grand scale. But mom, that is not a little thing. You wear those kids out. Some of you might know Amy Murphy. You know Amy Murphy? Amy's terrific. She works in our children's ministry back there on Sundays. Uh, Amy was a single mom for many years and worked really hard to raise faithful kids, and they are beautiful kids. Love the Lord. Um, But life, I mean, was not easy. But she kind of got to that point where she launched these faithful children. She'd done it. She'd done the thing we all want to do. Well, then she finds out that she's got a grandnephew 
uh, didn't even know about him. He just didn't even find out about him until he was born, a couple weeks into his life. And he was born into some brokenness, a difficult situation, and um, she finds out about him. Now, now, she is long past the stage of strollers and diapers and bottles, and I cannot wait to be past that stage. And uh, she is long past that. She doesn't have those things in the house anymore. But she finds out about this little boy. He's going to go into the system. And um, I called her this week. And I asked her to tell me the story again because it's been about a year and a half ago or so. And she said, Eric, I found out about him. And I needed him. I needed him. Why? Is that steadfast love? Steadfast love. And so she brought him into her home. She's been raising him. He's a beautiful little boy. You know, this week she was finally granted full guardianship of him this week. And who knows what will come next. And if you ask her, Amy, you know, you, you've gone way back in time, back into that stage where you got diapers and, and bottles and all that stuff again. And you're looking at like 18 years again. You have reset the clock all over again for the sake of this little boy. You know what she'd tell you? It's not a big deal. It's a little thing. Amy, it is not a little thing. This is a big moment. And who knows what big thing God will do through this little mom.